Here we go. It's the DC Sports Huddle. I'm Dave Johnson, Rob Woodfork, Dave Preston. Well, kind of giddy this week. I, I know the Wizards lost on Monday, but trust me, they're going to be okay. I know the Capitals, Panthers, but they still won a lot. But we begin with the Washington football team. Uh, should I say playoff Washington football team? They're technically a playoff team right now. What's that old phrase we always like to use? If the season ended today, they would be a playoff team with that third wild card spot. Uh, I, I just think it shows a tremendous leadership, not only of Ron Rivera, but also what has to be going on in that locker room. Dave Preston, I'll, I'll start with you. and We'll get the conversation going, but uh, there's more than talent involved in, in this. And this didn't just start three weeks ago. The NFL, I don't think is a league where you just flick a switch. So they must've been consistent in their work habits and finally they got their heads right. Uh, Dave, you have a great point there. The, the NFL is a week-to-week results league, but it's one of the. It's definitely not a week-to-week process league. And you're right; you can't just flip a switch. This is more of a slow bake, slow. You know, you put stuff in the crock pot. It doesn't show up immediately. An offensive line and a defensive line getting guys on the same side of the field to work together defensively, especially when you bring in free agents and draft picks. That doesn't happen within two or three weeks. That happens over the course of a season. And that is kind of what we've seen the last couple of weeks. They're much better on third down than they were the first five or six weeks of the season, uh, even though they had issues this past Sunday in the, or this past Monday night in the second half against Seattle. They're moving the chains on third down. They're also running the ball a lot better, too. I think they're averaging 145 yards per game during this winning streak. They've got the ball over 38 minutes per game. <laughs> during this streak and they're keeping the opponents off the field. And this is a team in the mold of Ron Rivera, even though yes, Cam Newton was a fantastic quarterback down in Carolina. They were still a team that kind of hit you over the head with a hammer and then added in a couple of other hammers as well. And it's, it's nice to see this team coming together, but isn't this where we always are with this team in Washington, whether it's 2005 and Mark Brunell or 2007 and Todd Collins, 2012 with RG3, 15 with Kirk Cousins, 2020 last year with the parade of quarterbacks. They start slow, and then all of a sudden in December, they've got their mojo going. They're five and six or five and seven, and they make that finishing kick towards the finish line. This team is getting hot at the right time. I'm sure a lot of fans out there would rather them kind of win from ahead, but this is the this is how Washington's made the playoffs this century with late season kicks. Yeah, but boy, uh, Robert Report, this doesn't seem to make sense. Uh, I mean, they're on a fourth-string center the other night, just as we talked about the improvement of the offensive line. We're running out of kickers that went to <laughs> Northern Virginia or D.C. high schools to sign. And a couple guys named Montez Sweat and Chase Young, I, di- I didn't see him on the field the other night for that defense that was doing such a job. They're injured. So this, this surge, as Dave mentioned, it happens a lot. It doesn't seem to make sense if you look at things on paper. Yeah, and a, a lot like that 2007 team that uh, Dave was referring to, uh, they're doing it with guys who don't have any name recognition. And I think that's kind of been the history of this franchise. If you look at it, you know, in a more global view is uh, even under Joe Gibbs, the, the first and the second go round. They whenever they gone to the playoffs or championships, like it was a lot of guys that you never heard of before. So, you know, right now it it, it shouldn't surprise anybody that this of all franchises has a couple of seventh round picks playing defensive end uh, and and not get and getting better results than the, you know, the big first round picks that uh, that are right now out injured. Um 
and, and, you know, Ron Rivera was talking about it in terms of just guys being in the right place, trusting each other. That was a big reason why the interception on this two point conversion happened at the end of the uh, Monday night game. So, you know, they, they, the, the, uh, the sum of their parts is better than the individual pieces. So right. that is kind of the story of what they're doing right now. And quite frankly, I, I think that's the way they're going to have to build it going forward because right. I mean, you are getting the better results for one. And also, you know, this is just kind of where they're at. It's where they're at. And we'll take a quarterback coverage here. I, I think we need to celebrate Taylor Heineke. He goes into that bye week mm-hmm. uh, on shaky ground. And this does not happen if the players around him still don't believe in him. In other words, he could have gone into that bye week and all of a sudden deers in the headlights look started to, to emerge. And, and players pick up on cues. And there could have been doubts from a Terry McLaurin. Well, maybe this guy doesn't have it. That's not happened. He battled through a very difficult time. I'm not saying he's now the next coming of Tom Brady or, or Kurt Warner or whoever. But... You have two wins with no turnovers, one interception the other night. He's played smart football, and he continues to, to I was about to say, act like a leader. He's not acting. He is a leader of this team and continues to be so. When a lot of guys in his position, without his experience, it could have rocked them to their core. They pressed him? Well, the league is littered with guys who weren't necessarily big stars coming into the NFL who have shined, you know, even guys who have come through uh, Washington and have shined elsewhere. I think about Rich Gannon, who was here for a cup of coffee. I think about Trent Green, who emerged. And uh, if things had worked out, he would have been signed by the Burgundy and Gold to a free agent contract. Instead, he went to St. Louis, got hurt. Kurt Warner, his career took off right there. Uh, what I, I think we're starting to see with Ron Rivera, his guys in place, that maybe the top 10 guys on this roster aren't great, but guys 11 through 30 are really good. They're much better than they were previously. I think when you look at how this team has been built, maybe the first 15 years under Dan Snyder, the owner, the top five to 10, you had a lot of good guys in that group, but then the team would start to really crater around player 15, player 20, player 25. And that's where you need to sustain a roster of guys who can contribute because you have over 70 plays run throughout the course of a game. And with the exception of your specialists, you need to look to these guys throughout the course of a game. Taylor Heineke is one of those guys who stepped through. Maybe he was the 45th guy on this roster right now. He's probably the most important guy on this roster for what he does offensively. And does he have, is he the classic quarterback with the big arm or the guy who can turn you inside out uh, a la Michael Vick? No, but he is a guy who does the little things. He didn't uh, bust the secondary Sunday night against Seattle, a team that I think that was near the bottom of the league and past defense, but he did just enough on some key drives to get things going. And you don't need, there are no style points in the NFL from the standpoint of we look at college football gentlemen where everyone's looking at strength of victory. Did you look good in your win over Ohio state? How did you play against Cincinnati or Notre Dame? Or did you, you only beat Navy by 10 instead of 13. So we're going to dock Cincy for that. You just have to be one point better than the other team. You just have to produce that much more consistently than the other defense that's coming against you. And Heineke has been an inspirational story this season. Is he the guy in 2022 or 2023 for this team? Who knows? But remember, uh, Mark Rippon was the guy in 1991. By 1993, he was gone. 
So, you know, for all intents and purposes. So, you know, let's enjoy this Taylor Heineke ride. And uh, what, what a great guy to be around for this team. Yeah, well, the NFL's a ride anyway. You do have a Tom Brady situation or, or whatever, but you have a lot of teams that have to go through a, a lot of different players at different positions because they tell me you can get hurt in football and a few other things happen. Rob, your take Gentlemen, on that. Gentlemen, I, I, I hate to interject. Uh, George Wallace in Ashburn sent us the, the practice update. For those who are viewing before practice on Thursday, here are the guys who didn't play on Thursday. Landon Collins out with a foot. J.D. McKissick, concussion. Benjamin St. Juice still in the concussion protocol. Tyler Larson, bad knee. Wes Schweitzer, the third center in the line of succession, out with an ankle. I think they're on the postmaster general if you were to go cabinet style. So just an update right there uh, from practice guys who didn't play. Back to the huddle, Jim. Rob, I, I started with about taking the temperature of the quarterback because I think he's such an important leader, but that or anything else burning through those thoughtful glasses of yours. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I mean, just I mean, just looking at this game, looking ahead to the Las Vegas game, uh, you know, this is officially the stretch run, and so after this game begins the five-game NFC East gauntlet that we've been talking about all year, their season coming down to these next two weeks are going to be crucial for them in particular because they're in successive weeks now against Las Vegas and then against the Cowboys are going to be playing teams that are going to have a rest advantage. Uh, both of these teams are coming off of Thursday night games before Washington. So the mini buy, so to speak, is uh, is going to be a benefit. And especially this week, Las Vegas, uh, not only playing at home, Washington's got to travel cross country. They're on a short week because they just played on a Monday night. So uh, all of that is is going to factor in. And of course, they're banged up <laughs> as uh, you know, as uh, Dave just read the laundry list of injuries to uh, some really key players. So um, to me, uh, this is this is going to be if of their final six games, this Las Vegas game needs to be their last loss. If they lose this one, this is the one to if they lose down the stretch, they can only lose more than once or twice to make the playoffs if we're being realistic here but um of the games remaining this is a non-conference game this is one that won't hurt you in tiebreakers and all that so if you're going to lose this is the one to lose especially given the situation but um you know after this uh, you know after this game <laughs> things begin in earnest and i think uh you know i hope that they're not looking ahead to that dallas game because let's be real i mean if they can beat the cowboys twice then it's their division and quietly the, uh, the Cowboys are, are, well, not the Cowboys don't do anything quietly, but they, they, you know, their little mini slide here has uh, them very vulnerable. And I wouldn't be surprised to see anybody except the giants win this division at this point. It's wide open. Yeah. Well, and, but, but I don't giants think they're going to be looking They've won three uh, of five. Yeah. Well, I don't think they're going to be looking ahead. Just, I love Jonathan Allen's comment. You, you yeah. don't reward a fish for swimming. Right. Uh, based, and he, he was talking, we've, we've not arrived. And he had some other comment about it. he hates losing more than he likes winning, which which makes you stop and think yeah. for a while. Well, but I get that. <laughs> I, no, I, yeah, I, I get yeah. that as well. But my, my point, that's what's that's what's going on with this team. That We knew they had some level of talent um, and the defense, but it, mentally the team is where it needs to be at this point of the season. Whether you, you listen closely to quotes from people like uh, Jonathan Allen and as far as much in the football, we love to talk about sexy positions. It's still a game that allegedly can be won at the line of scrimmage. And right now that's where this team is, is grinding out wins 
and winning that battle of the line of scrimmage in, in, in the last even though, three even though they're playing third and fourth string guys. Correct. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it does not make a lick of sense that you hold the ball for 40 times. You have a back with 111 yards rushing on Monday night. Uh, I don't care who you're playing on the other side, but you're going with your fourth string center at the end of the game. It doesn't make sense, but they're, they're getting it done on the line of scrimmage. So I think get ready for a grind fest down the stretch. You know, they're not going to blow anybody out, uh, but they, they seem to have the fortitude to play this. It's going to be fun. You play Vegas and then as Ron Rivera calls it, then you have the NFC round Robin. And I'll tell you this, uh, they're going to need to do that ball control approach successfully in Las Vegas to have a chance to win because Derek Carr is quietly having a really good season. He's among the league leaders with uh, 8.3 yards per pass attempt. Um, you know, th- this this secondary has been uh, – it's been beatable. Even though they've been better uh, during this win streak, they did give up a couple of big chunk plays – uh, in the Monday night win. So that's going to be something that they're going to have to really watch out for in Las Vegas. Uh, because again, uh, Derek Carr is, he, he, as a matter of fact, he leads the league in passing yardage, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, you know, this is, this, this could be a tough matchup for them, at least when the, uh, when the defense is on the field, uh, offensively, if they can uh, churn out the, uh, those yards, man, I mean, the, the, uh, that Vegas defense will give up points. They will. So they need right. to finish drives. Gentlemen, I think there are two injuries that we mentioned as we talk about uh, Sunday looking towards Vegas. Uh, you talk about uh, facing Derek Carr. Uh, Landon Collins uh, you know, didn't practice uh, Wednesday with an ankle. His new hybrid position, he's not a safety, he's not a linebacker. I think we call him a a safe backer or something like that. You call and him he, a safe backer. <laughs> I do. I do. I'm the only one who uses the term safe backer, boys and girls. But I think if he can't post that, he has been a dynamic, if not unorthodox, part of this defense during the surge where they've allowed just 18 points per game during the winning streak after getting roasted early and often by teams like Buffalo, Kansas City, and New Orleans in the first uh, you know month or two. If he can't post this Sunday in Vegas. That's going to be bad news for the defense. Bad news for the offense would be if J.D. McKissick can't play. He's in the concussion protocol. Even though he didn't lead the team in rushing this past Sunday uh, or this this past Monday night, uh, he he's that kind of back that you that in the 21st century every good team needs to have a guy who can be a decent threat running the ball as well as catching passes, even though Gibson did have seven receptions this past Monday against Seattle, who scored the two touchdowns via run and via pass, J.D. McKissick. And it seems like even the plays that he makes that aren't necessarily big plays, there was a, a third and long a few weeks ago, I think against Carolina or Tampa Bay, that it was third and 21. It was a 15 or 18 yard catch. It didn't move the chains, but it put Washington in fourth and three that they were then able to convert and extend the drive. J.D. McKissick is a guy who makes those plays. They need him on that field to make those plays to extend the drives for Washington. Oh, I'm aware McKissick scored all the touchdowns. My fantasy team was relying heavily on Gibson getting in the end zone. So I'm Ooh, well aware. That hurts. <laughs> hey, speaking and, and, and just about fantasy, guys, we talk about this schedule Five NFC East team, NFC East games to end the season, two against Dallas. Uh, my nephew Sully from Southie notices that the Patriots play the Bills twice in a four-week span in December. For those of us who have been fantasy football league commissioners who set up schedules, it's not that difficult on the computer to say, hey, 
We're going to have teams play each other in the first half of the season and play each other in the second half of the season and not twice within a three-week span. It always drives me nuts because you don't get a full gauge of how teams are because it's not just who you play, it's when you play them and where you play them. And playing a team twice in a three-week or a four-week span, it really robs the fans. It really robs the teams. Hey, wow. I actually, I, I actually kind of like, like it, it because from well, here's the thing: late yeah. in December, when uh, you know guys are exhausted, both mentally and yes. physically, you know, having a familiar opponent up next, you know, I, I feel like that kind of helps right. the preparation if you've already seen them, uh, you know, within the last two weeks. So I, I think it's beneficial from a rest standpoint. Right. Two two areas where I, I like where you play a division foe, one on Thursday night, so because you're playing the Sunday before, so there's not a lot of prep time, and two, the last three to four weeks of the season, it's nice to play your three division games over the last four weeks of the year. I just, I just, it's just all this, I mean, for a guy who schedules the Dread Pirate Roberts against the DC Dandies and the, uh, the Smoothie McSmooth on a regular basis in my fantasy football league, I just, yeah, I, Commissioner Goodell, if you're listening, I can help you with the 2022 schedule. I'll even do it if you just get me a nice hat. All right, we'll continue the schedule therapy section, a, a separate podcast uh, this week uh, between Dave and Rob, and we'll get this sorted. I forget who won the various points, but uh, whatever it is, the, the, all we know, there's 17 games left, or there's 17 games that we're going to have in the schedule. And they told me they take it one game at a time. Write that down, and you might catch on as a podcast. Oh, I've heard program. that. Go one and know right. every day. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we're running out of time, so let's just let's just go with our, our audible. I'll just throw out there, RG3, uh, you forwarded me the tweet the other morning, Rob Woodfork, and, and I thought, you got to be kidding me. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, if you're going to write a tell-all book, I, I get certain things don't happen about uh, until after your career, you don't reveal certain things that happen in the locker room, or maybe you don't reveal them all. There's a code about not, you know, what happened in the playoff game. He's going to talk about how his medical situation was. But when you're talking about a, a workplace that is under fire, that there are people that have, have been dealt serious emotional blows and they're protesting for release of an NFL report. If you saw something 10 years ago and now you're coming out with it, I'm sorry, you're trying to make money off a situation and, and the timing of the situation. I don't want to read your book. That's RG3. That's my thought. Bob, and, you're, uh, and, you're too- and yeah. And also, if you have such great insight as to the toxic uh, sexual harassment that was happening within those walls, as he puts it, you need to be talking about that right now. Right. <laughs> why, why, why are we waiting until August 2022 to hear this in your book unless you're just trying to cash in on it? So. That's that's kind of the thing that's been lost in this RG3 discussion, or at least, you know, within the circles that I've heard, um, is he's every bit as toxic and he has been every bit as, uh, you know, he had everything to do with him not working out here as the toxic situation in the toxic franchise did. Um, you know, he's always been out about uh, self-promotion and, you know, uh, he, I think he had a logo that came out and, you know, all of these things, all these stupid like one liner sayings and stuff that he used to have. He was uh, he was terrific for that one season for the most part. But if anything has been established over the course of the last several years, it's that RG3 is RG me. Yeah, no, because because while he was here, he was, to my knowledge, or seemed to be very much Snyder's guy. Mm-hmm. So if you're Snyder's guy, yeah. it would seem to me. And if you saw something, yeah. then you would have the power to impact. Hey, Dan. You got problems in your workplace. Hey, Dan, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, if I'm going to stay here, this workplace has to be cleaned up. 
you have the power to do something. Yep. So to write a book 10 years later says, no, you're toothless. And all you want to do is make money. Mm -hmm. Final word, Dave Preston. Gentlemen, if self-importance were water, RG3 would have drowned about eight years ago. Uh, it's And you guys you know, basically uh, say everything that's on my mind about RG3. Here's a guy who benefited from a very toxic environment. He was an agent of this environment you know, eight years ago. He's is It was a bad situation between an owner, a coach, and uh, a quarterback uh, eight years ago, and it, it, it just didn't work out. And for him to rehash so he can make some bucks uh, for a book uh, is just – I, it's almost as though he's not worth the time of day for us to discuss him. My audible at the line of scrimmage today, gentlemen, Virginia Tech making a new hire at head coach Brent Pry. They go back to a guy who was a graduate assistant here in the 90s, a defensive coordinator at Penn State. They go coordinator at the power five level instead of head coach, the group of five level that they did with Justin Fuente. Here's a guy who brings defense. Defensive chops to a school that is known for defense and special teams. Perhaps Justin Puente, the offensive guru, wasn't the right fit for somebody to be the, the face of this uh, program. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Brent Pryor because you don't know if you've made the right or wrong college football hire until you're at least three years into the thing. But congratulations to the Hokies for making a bowl this year as they get in. Also, congratulations to Maryland for making a bowl as uh, Mike Loxley's uh, gang are able to end a uh, five-year drought of not uh, playing in December. So that is my audible from the line of scrimmage, gentlemen. I'm off to do the 115. And we're off to be done because we're out of time. Our DC Sports Huddle <laughs> for another week. And for Dave Preston, Rob Warpork, I'm Dave Johnson. Thanks for the time. We'll see you next week. Breaking the huddle. Break. <laughs>